Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a series of programs on the book of Hebrews, going through the book of Hebrews verse by verse. And today's program is kind of a transition between Hebrews chapter 11 and Hebrews chapter 12. Now in Hebrews chapter 11, the writer was speaking about people who had great faith. They were people of faith, and yet in the midst of their faith, their circumstances were relatively different, which means that sometimes they experienced a great deal of prosperity, they experienced miraculous interventions by the living God, but there were other times when they did not. Now, this would be a very important transition for a Hebrew to make when making the transition from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant, because according to the Old Covenant, if you were obedient to your God... If you lived in obedience to all of the commandments, then according to Deuteronomy chapter 28, you would experience blessings from God. The manifestation of your faith would be God's intervention in your life in such a way that we can measure it by the prosperity that you could experience or that you would experience. In other words, it was assumed that if you were repentant and obedient, then the Lord would respond and he would intervene in your life in order to provide you with an abundance of blessings. However, what the writer of this letter to the Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 11 is that, yes, that may have been the case in many people's lives, but it certainly was not the case in everyone's life, that there were many people who did experience a great deal of pain and suffering, even though they had great faith, even though they were acknowledged as people of faith. And this is a very important transition for a person to make because it takes the attention off of yourself and it shifts your attention to your God. You see, for the most part, people are consumed with themselves and they are consumed with their own personal prosperity to the extent where they acquire things in this world so that they can indulge their flesh. But there is an important transition that people need to make, that the new covenant is truly about, and that is about what our God is doing. It is about his purposes. It is about his accomplishments. It is about the revelation of him so that people can know who he is. And that if a person is preoccupied with themselves, and they are preoccupied with the things that they may be able to acquire to themselves, then it's going to be very difficult for them to have their attention properly placed on the Lord who is the one who is wanting to have a personal, intimate relationship with the people that he has created. And so this transition is a very difficult transition, and it was a very difficult transition for the Hebrews to make because their focus was always placed on what is going to be the benefit to me. How am I going to personally benefit, and how is this benefit going to be measured? And sometimes in Christianity, we do the same thing today. In some cases, people do proclaim this same message that the Hebrews were holding on to back then. And so I do believe that this is very applicable to many people's lives today, that there are many people who believe that the purpose of God in their lives is to intervene in their lives and so that he can bless them in greater ways and so that they can experience a greater sense of prosperity or peace or enjoyment in their life right now, not realizing that that may not necessarily 
have much of anything to do with his real purposes, with what he is actually doing here. It might be something that you have an interest in, but it may not be something that he really has an interest in. And so at the end of Hebrews chapter 11, the writer was explaining that there were many people who did experience great miracles of God, who did experience the intervention of God, but there were others who did not, and yet they were considered to be people of faith just the same. And so if this is the case, then we should be looking for a different outcome. We should be looking for a different achievement or a different purpose than what people are generally thinking about right now. Beginning in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 33, it says, "...who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release." so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground, and all these having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised, because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. We are, of course, made perfect now because of what our God has done for us through the Lord Jesus. They did not receive what was promised, but what was promised had nothing to do with what they would experience in their flesh. What was promised was the Messiah who would come, who would be the provision for something that is much better for us, and that is what we truly need to meet the deepest part of our beings, that which we would need in order to meet the deepest needs of our hearts. The Lord Jesus came to provide for the needs of people's hearts, not for their flesh. That's an important distinction to understand, and I believe that what the writer is doing here is expressing that very transition, that the Hebrews were certainly consumed with their faith, and they were consumed with evidence of their faith as would be expressed through what they would be able to acquire that would be measurable in the blessings of their flesh, whether or not they would have more flour in their kneading bowl, whether or not they would lend and not borrow, things like that. That's how people measured their faith. But the writer here is expressing that there is something else. There is another way that we look at faith, and there is another benefit to faith, and that has to do with being made perfect being made perfect because of what he does for us, not because of what we think we are going to do for him. That's a very serious difference between living a life under the old covenant versus now living our lives according to the new covenant. Now, of course, in light of all of this, I personally can testify of the reality of this for my own personal life, that I can say with great conviction that knowing my God being a part of what he is doing in the world that he has created, that that to me is everything in comparison with what I may be able to acquire in this world. Now, I certainly couldn't have always said this. I mean, I remember the days before 
I came to know Jesus for who he is before I recognized him as the Messiah. I remember those days. I remember the times when I was totally separated from a religious life entirely, and I was living my life trying to indulge my flesh in whatever way I could. And I remember also turning to the synagogue and wanting to become a better person, recognizing that perhaps I may be able to experience a life of greater peace and greater joy through living a life of repentance from my sins and obedience to the commandments of God, that I could experience something greater, because that which I was pursuing in the world, in the world of sin, was certainly not meeting the needs of my heart. And so I assumed, naturally, that if I would return to my roots, if I would return to my Jewish roots and pursue rabbinical Judaism with great enthusiasm, that maybe at some point I would be satisfied in my heart and I would be at peace in my heart and I would be able to enjoy the life that was before me in a greater, much more profound way, in a way that I hoped I would achieve, but that I didn't know really what it was. Well, I know what that's about and I recognize that it certainly did nothing for me at all, But I also can compare that now with the life that I have in the Messiah, the life that I have now in Christ Jesus, and I can say that there definitely is a very profound difference, that I have experienced peace and rest in my heart, and I see no way possible that I could ever turn to anything else besides what I have right now. I honestly could never say that about anything before, but today, with great conviction, I can say that now. Now, when speaking about the people of faith who experienced a great deal of suffering, I can look at that today and I can look at my life at the time when I first got saved and compare that with right now. And this is a time that I'd like to talk about this subject of martyrdom or experiencing a great deal of pain and suffering because of your faith, that there are circumstances of life where a person might be ridiculed for their faith or be persecuted for their faith or even executed because of their faith. And, you know, I remember what it was like back in the time when I was first saved and I first considered some of these things. And I recognized that there were a lot of people who believed in Jesus before me who did suffer for their faith, who were persecuted, who were murdered and experienced a great deal of suffering. And I I recognized that I was going to experience some of that, that because of my relationship with my family through Judaism, that I was going to experience a cutting off from my people, and I did recognize the cost of that, and that to me was worth what I was able to gain in my true Messiah. To me, that was a worthy exchange, to let go of everything that I could have had before to what I can have now, that I did believe that he would meet the needs of my heart, even though I would have to let go of a lot of the benefits that I could have experienced in my flesh before. And to me, that was a worthy exchange. But when it came to the subject of dying for my faith, you know, i got to tell you quite honestly, when I first came to know the Lord Jesus in my first year or two or three years, I suppose, when I was thinking about these things, I don't think I would have necessarily died for my faith. I mean, I hate to say it because it certainly doesn't sound very good to say that you wouldn't be willing to die for Jesus. But I have to tell you with all honesty that it's true that in my early years when I first came to know the Lord, sometimes I would ask myself the question, hey, you know, if somebody came along and said, hey, you know, renounce Jesus or I'm going to kill you, I probably would have renounced Jesus. That to me, I probably would not have been willing to die for my faith when I first got saved. 
I realize that that might be a shock to some of you. However, to others of you, you probably aren't shocked at all because you probably feel the same way. You may even feel that way right now, that if somebody came to you and said, renounce Jesus, say that he is not the Messiah, or we will put you to death, that you might just simply renounce Jesus and say, I'll tell you what, let's convert to whatever religion that they want us to convert to, and then we'll repent later. We'll do that. We'll just get out of the situation right now so at least we can continue living. And I can relate to that. I think that I would have done that previously. I wouldn't have had a problem with that at all. And I would have been able to continue to live if I was confronted with a circumstance like that. I can understand that. And I realize that some of you might be thinking about that right now. But back then, you know, it kind of ate at me a little bit. It kind of hurt me a little bit because I wanted to be a person of God. I really did. I wanted to have a good standing with my God, and I wanted to have a legitimate, worthy relationship with him. I wanted to be recognized as one of his people, but to to have an attitude like that certainly did not seem to reflect the kind of belief that I was claiming. It did not reflect the conviction that I had or that I wanted to have. It just wasn't really there. I wasn't really willing to die for my faith. And so if there are some of you who are listening to me right now who feel that way, if you feel that you would not be willing to die for your faith in the Lord Jesus, then don't feel alone, because I certainly can relate to that, that there was a time when I felt that way as well. And it did bother me. But you know, after a while, I just kind of forgot about it. I just let it go. I just didn't ask the question of myself anymore. I just simply didn't deal with it. I just let it go and went on with my life and continued to grow in the relationship that I had with him. I continued to pursue a knowledge and understanding of who he is. And I would quite often ask him what he would think concerning various circumstances. And I would ask him to give me insights and discernment and to help me to see things through his eyes and hear things through his ears. And over a period of time, he did mature me. He did grow me that while I probably would not have been willing to die for my faith, apparently he still was willing to work with me. He was still willing to share things with me. He was still willing to guide me and lead me, that that was something that I experienced with my God. And so I want to encourage you concerning this, that even if you don't think that you would be willing to just give up everything right now for him, I want you to know that I understand where you're at, and I I remember what it was like for me as well, and I don't want you to feel guilty about it. I mean, certainly, if we were to call it sin, we we could call it sin. That would certainly be the case. I'm not trying to justify anything. I'm not trying to say something is necessarily okay in the sense that it is not sin. What I'm saying is, is that in the midst of where you are and in the midst of the condition of your heart, your God can still grow you. He can still work with you. He can still lead you. When he speaks about conforming you to his image, that's something that can be measured. It's something that can be experienced over time. And so if you are not in his image now, you will be conformed to his image later, then between now and then we should expect there to be change. We should expect there to be change of some kind. And so instead of feeling guilty, I want you to feel thankful. I want you to be thankful not for the presence of sin, but be thankful that your God is still with you, that he is still in you, and that he will never leave you, even in the midst of something like that. He will be with you forever if you are one of his. There is no letting go of him, and he will never let go of you. 
But you know, a few years ago, I asked myself this question again. I did. I, I just simply asked myself the question, Aaron, would you be willing to die for your faith? Would you be willing to experience a great deal of persecution? Would you be willing to be tortured and sawed in half or set on fire and burned up until you were dead? Would, would you be willing to go through that? And you know, I thought about it again recently, and I thought, you know, I think I probably would. Today, I do believe that I have the conviction that I would be willing to go through torture, that I would be willing to go through a great deal of persecution or suffering, that I would be willing to die before I would say that Jesus is not my God, He is not my Savior, He is not my Messiah, that I would be willing to die before I would renounce my faith and the one who I have faith in. So what happened? I mean, I mean, what happened between then and now? Well, I honestly don't know. I mean, I have to tell you with great sincerity that I don't really know how the Lord made that change in my heart. I mean, I can speculate on it a little bit, but to be honest with you, he has not really given me any specific insights concerning how he did that. And in many ways, I'm even more thankful for that, for my lack of understanding, than I would be for my understanding. I have to say I'm very thankful that I do not understand because to me that makes it even more real. That gives it even greater value. It really shows me that this is really a work of God in this case. And looking at it from that perspective, I can also appreciate what he has revealed to me concerning the changes that he has made in my heart and in my life. And so having said that, I can say with great conviction that with many of you, he may do that same work. I'm not saying that he, that he necessarily will or that he has to. There are other things that he might be working with you on that this may not necessarily ever be real in your life. And if it's not, then be thankful. However that plays out, be thankful to your God for whatever he is doing. And be thankful for the things that he's chosen not to do, understanding that he will make the right decisions concerning how he is going to grow you and mature you in the condition that you are in, and that even in the midst of your circumstances of life, in the midst of your condition, in the midst of who you are as a person, he will still make use of you. He will still guide you, and he will still allow you to be a participant in his purposes. I really do believe that. And so if you feel guilty right now about not being willing to suffer and experience martyrdom in whatever way it may transpire, if you feel guilty about that, fine. I understand that. But please believe me when I tell you that if this is something that the Lord will work with you on, if this is something that he will change within you, then he will do that. Now, in my own life, because he has done that, that doesn't mean I'm going to die for my faith. It doesn't mean that I'm going to be tortured and executed. That doesn't mean that. Just that he has prepared my heart in such a way as that doesn't mean that that's necessarily going to transpire. I honestly hope it doesn't happen. I'm not interested in that. To me, the real value is not in then being able to display my faith in some profound way such as that. I, I don't really need any of that in my life, honestly. I just simply appreciate the recognition that he has done a work in me, that he has done something within me, that he has changed me in such a way that I have a conviction now that I did not have before. And that's something that I am very thankful for. You know, if I really had to guess, if I had to speculate perhaps on how this actually occurred, my only guess right now would be to say that 
over the course of time, over the course of many years, the Lord has shown me who he is in small ways, a little bit at a time, to the point where I really do know him. I mean, I really know my God, certainly not anywhere near the scope of magnitude that I will know him in the future. But compared to how I knew him when I first got saved versus today, I would have to say when I first got saved, I didn't know him at all. But today, I truly do believe that I I know him in a greater way than how I knew him before, and that in the future, I will know him in an even greater way. But because I know who he is, I cannot easily deny his existence. I can't do that, because to me, he is that real. To me, he has revealed himself in such a way that that he is so real to me. He is real to me in a way that is greater than most other things that I can see with my eyes or touch with my hands. And because of that, I cannot deny him because of the recognition of the reality that he truly is alive. He truly is a living, active participant. And I am a testimony of his reality. And so because of that, to to deny him just simply wouldn't make any sense. It wouldn't make any sense at all. And I certainly wouldn't want the embarrassment of going before him after being killed for whatever reason, going before him and, and us both understanding and remembering the time when I denied his existence because I personally thought I was going to suffer if I did. You know, you know, these are things that I just I just don't want to be faced with in the future. I would rather not. I would rather not be faced with eternity in a condition like that than live a few more years here on earth and experience some prosperity of some kind because I denied him. But again, this is not something that I could have said or experienced before. And so if you are not able to say something like that now, I want you to know that it's okay. And what I mean by okay is that I believe that our God will certainly not leave you because of this kind of attitude, that he's not going to abandon you, that he's going to stay with you, he's going to stick with you. And perhaps someday he may make that change in your heart. But if he doesn't, I still believe that he will still grow you and mature you as he sees fit. And to me, that's the most important thing to understand. Now, this is something that carries on into Hebrews chapter 12, especially in verse 4. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4, it says, You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood and your striving against sin. Things like that. He takes what was given in Hebrews chapter 11, and he transitions into chapter 12 to speak about another subject, something else. But I believe he uses things that he presented in Hebrews chapter 3 and in Hebrews chapter 10 and also in Hebrews chapter 11 to now build up into some very important conclusions in Hebrews chapter 12. And that's what I'm now going to be getting into in the next few broadcasts is Hebrews chapter 12. But let me go ahead and start out in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 where it says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, in most cases, when people look at these verses, when people refer to Hebrews chapter 12, especially in verse 1, 
in most cases, people are going to look at this from the point of view of it is now time to stop sinning. It is now time to lay aside every sin that is entangling you in your life, that you need to now take action in light of the great display that we have described in Hebrews chapter 11, in light of all of the faith of all of those people that were described then, you also, if you want to be a person who your God will be proud of, who your God will be excited to testify of, he will say, yes, I know this person, this person is one of mine. If you want to be like that, then you're going to have to find some way to get rid of all the sin in your life. That's how a lot of people will address this. But the problem is, is that that entangles you. That entangles you in a different way. This way that it entangles you is how are you going to possibly accomplish that? Well, you're not going to be able to accomplish that because your God did not create you for the purpose of not sinning. He created you for the purpose of knowing him and having a personal relationship with him. And this relationship has to do with him relating to you and you relating to him in the sense of you speaking with him, him speaking with you. Him seeing your world through your eyes and you seeing his world through his eyes so that you can begin to understand who he is, you can know who he is, and in that way you can grow in a dynamic relationship with your God to the extent where, first of all, he can meet the deepest needs of your heart through his presence and he can also mature you and grow you through the discernment that he provides and through the fulfillment that he provides in the midst of your life circumstances. That's the real issue. That's the real issue that if you turn away from this, then you are going to be entangled. The entanglement for the Hebrew was the law. It was the law. That was the entanglement. And so I believe that verse 1 is to be read from a whole different perspective, which I'm going to explain in the next broadcast, that it does not have to do with you trying to find some way to get all of the sin out of your life in accordance with the law, that you need the law to do that. You have to know what sin is. You have to know what the law says about it, that something is evil and something else is good. You need to do that which is good and don't do that which is evil. You need law for that. And the Hebrews had law. They had that. They had a complete, absolute definition of what sin was and what righteousness was. But that is what entangled them. The sin that the writer is referring to is the sin of unbelief. That's the sin that they were dealing with, that they needed to lay aside so that they would have a right standing with their God as the people testified of in chapter 11 also had a right standing with their God by faith and trust and belief, not according to repentance and obedience. But I will continue with this in the next broadcast. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net